senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 21, and this one I'm, I'm kind of psyched for, if only because all I have done all day long has to do with comic books. It's true. I, I saw you do it. I got up at, considering how much I drink, I got up at the ungodly hour of 8 o'clock and had a quick breakfast and have been cataloging comic books and putting them in order as part of the great reorganization and reclaiming of the second bedroom slash recording studio slash i swear to god i'm not a hoarder please yeah oh god <laughs> don't it's, call the city health inspector for eight years this room was where comic books went to die we yeah, stacked basically. we stacked them flat and we you know kept them you know, in bunches in plastic bags but they took over the entire couch and we yeah. had them with the entire area near the closet and you could only come in here to use the computers you had to tippy toe through here to use the computers and and it was yeah i'm a grown fucking man i can't be tippy toeing around well, okay or you could like you know crash around and bang your ankles on stuff and swear which you do which i continue to do because the project is not even well, i say it's not even close to done I just did the 30th long box. You did. There's minimum 15 more to go. I can see the floor in the closet. I know. So so we're getting there. But today was the fun one. Today was the last one in the closet, which means it was the first one that was loaded when the movers brought us in here. This is true. And that's where all the good shit was. First in, last out. Yeah. So this is the first long box I cataloged, and it is only full of books that there's no way I'm putting into storage. It's the good stuff. Yep. And... Like, when I was in high school, uh, like 15, 16 years old, in like 87, 88, you could go into a comic store, and because the Batman movie hadn't come out, you could get old issues of Batman. Not like Detective 27 or anything like that, but stuff from the 50s and 60s in half-decent condition for like a buck or two apiece. And so I, d I had this teenager dream that I was going to build a complete collection of Batman comics. Yeah, at 16 years old, I'm like, man, someday when I'm rich, because everybody thinks they're going to be rich when they're 16 years old, I'll, I'll get the big ones. But for right now, I'll get all these other ones. And I got a, probably 100 issues that go from, like, 1963 up through the 70s. That's pretty solid. And they were, like, a buck or two apiece. And I'm going through them now, and I'm looking at one of the – you know, you take the accuracy of the information for what it's worth, but one of the online price guides – it's like these pieces of shit that I bought for like two dollars. They're not pieces of shit. Everything has its cover. Some of them aren't in great condition, but the things I bought for a buck in 1987 are like you know, $30 in 2.0 condition right now. That's it. Didn't you say one of them was like a Neil Adams cover, Batman? Yeah. Oh, and I don't remember the issue number now, but it was the, uh, the haunting of... Uh, some manner and it was a callback to like an early detective comics cover and uh I, I bought it for a buck and it just had neil adams sort of written in the 
the the corner of the price tag. That's with, cool. So it's probably oh, all right. I'll get this. It's Neil Adams. Yeah, and now in its worst condition, yeah, that's like ninety dollars. <laughs> like for a dollar at God only knows what hellhole and Broxton I went bins. to. Yeah, <laughs> filthy Manny Manny's comic sty, <laughs> some goddamn thing. But you could do that back in the eighties because a Batman movie hadn't come out yet. That's right. And this week is the anniversary, the twenty fifth anniversary of the Batman movie coming out. Oh God, I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> fucking tell me about it. <laughs> That means it's been 25 years since I've been able to get a cheap old issue of Batman. Which means I've been rocking these things for far longer than any human being. But, you know, it was good news for comic book retailers after it did come out. Oh, yeah. It's uh, because we we hadn't watched the movie. I watched it like seven times when it first came out. But I hadn't watched it. I've watched it once in 15 years. And it was maybe six or eight months ago at like two in the morning. I was hammered. No. And it was, I know, difficult to believe, but <laughs> I, I was hammered and it was on like AMC and I think they said it was an anniversary airing. So I'm like, oh, fuck it. We'll see what special features they, they have. And the special features were, they showed me Batman. <laughs> With was, commercials. Yeah, it was Dick. <laughs> but uh, it's like, didn't there was really... Dick in Batman? Uh, I did. That's not the Batman I saw. Yeah, maybe I saw a different one. <laughs> were you sure some, it was AMC? Some <laughs> Axel Braun, two o'clock in the morning, Batman. Yeah, some of the acting would have been better, but <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. So it, we hadn't seen it for a long time, so we went to our local comic book store where they know us by name, and I don't know. I, don't, I gotta start writing these ones ahead of time, but <laughs> they know you by name and ask you to stop asking people if you they'd like to see your caped Avenger. <laughs> yes, okay, we'll go with that. That's a good one. But uh, and and asked him because he he sells used DVDs. I mean, do you have the first Batman movie? And uh, he went and looked, and he this is the most shameful I've ever felt. He pulled out. Oh yeah, and I, I got all four of them. And it was one <laughs> of the, it was one of those one package, you know, family fun night four movies for the price of one. <laughs> and my initial instinct was to recoil because it was all four of the original Batman movies. So we, we, do you think I want to buy Batman Forever and Batman and Robin? What kind of piece of shit do you think I am? What kind of tasteless motherfucker? Why would you sell? I finally realized. Okay, you know what? It's one. It's one package for six bucks as opposed to yeah two because we talked about also revisiting Batman Returns. Yep. Which I did. You fell asleep and probably for good reason. But <laughs> well, I tried. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's one of the questions we had going into this is does it hold up at all because unless you were a at least an adolescent comic book fan in 87 88 86 89 it's hard to to make people understand what a big deal this movie was because comic book fans had just sort of been neglected you know there was superman and 1978, which sort of played things straight-ish. Mostly. Lex Luthor was a bit more of a joke than he came to be. Yeah, they, they took Superman seriously, but there was enough campy, goofy... Yeah, mean, Lex and his sidekick had a very golden age kind of feel about them, like very much as though they were their uh, costume design was drawn stylistically from those... 1950s 
early 60s kind of yeah and the concept of a half competent goofy yeah henchman yeah and the, the set of tits with half a brain to be yeah well, she was the smartest one out of all three of them miss teschmacher which often happened in the 1960s kind of comics but <laughs> yeah but uh, the great the the great plan was a fucking real estate land grab. Yeah. And the only way in the plot they could get from Superboy to Superman was, uh, okay, you go up north and you're just sleeping for four or five hibernate. years. While a computer <laughs> shits knowledge into your brain. The, a computer with the voice of Marlon Brando. <laughs> we're lucky Superman didn't come out naked and screaming. Turn into Skynet. The, the horror. The horror. <laughs> But it, it took it seriously enough. But it's also, I was a kid when I was, I was 78, so we were seven. Yep. So the camp stuff would have been over our head anyway, the same way it was. You know, I used to watch reruns as a little kid of Batman 66. Yeah, I, I seem to recall this is one of the ones that Dad actually spent money to have us go see in the theater rather than take us to the drive-in later in the summer. Uh, where he could spend $5 for the whole carload of us. Yeah, this will <laughs> shut him up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we went to, it was in Southbridge, Massachusetts. I think there was a whopping two screens. Ah, <laughs> uh, the 70s. We saw... Um, Technically a multiplex. Star Trek there, because that was also important to Dad to see in the theater, roughly when it came out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Superman. Yeah, no, we definitely grew up with parents who leaned toward the geek side, yep. so... Uh, yeah, I saw it in some theater or another. I I don't remember, but so yeah, the campy stuff was sort of over my head, but but it was there. Um, and then there was Superman two, and that did pretty well. Except even that doesn't really. That's I think the best of those original Superman movies, and you know the the, the kiss of amnesia. <laughs> Make no mistake, I've kissed lots of girls, and I don't remember, but. <laughs> It's not because they had superpowers, it's because I was shitty. But. And see, that one, I'm pretty sure the first time I saw it was on VHS. I don't know if my parents went to go see it and decided that they didn't need to bring us along that time, or they managed to find a babysitter, or Dad was just over it at that point and could wait to cheap out. <laughs> well, it's that would have been before, cause I think that was 81 or 82, so it was before we had a VCR. So yeah, we did the theater. We used to go to... Um, place called i think it's whitco toy downtown where i lived <laughs> porno theater no <laughs> uh and you could at that time i think it was at whitco because they hadn't opened up the the actual um vhs rental place in town um, so everything was contained to whitco uh you could get your huffy and you could rent a vcr and <laughs> you can get your huffy you could rent a vcr a tube of astroglide <laughs> No, no, no. That was across the street. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so you'd get this giant suitcase-looking thing that had a VCR built into it that you would then attach to your, your giant CRT tube TV. Oh, yeah. We, we would rent those to pirate movies. we get those in the dubbing cables <laughs> and, and run it to our VCR. Our purposes were not quite so nefarious. Well, me and intellectual property crime go way back, but... We may discuss that later, but yeah, we uh, we saw we saw uh, Superman two that way. So, but it, at least they took it half seriously. But then it, it felt like in the movies, nothing came of it. There yeah. was really, it got it on TV. The Superman movie got 
the Incredible Hulk made, arguably, and got the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man, which I think aired three episodes, and <laughs> you know, he'd you know skitter up the side of the building with his hands and feet slipping as some poor fucking stuntman prayed the cable didn't break. And then somebody came down from his coke high and said, whoa, 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 what were we thinking? Yeah. Oh, then no, they'd no. use that same 10,000-pound cable <laughs> they used to drag the prick up the side of the building to act like the webs from the web shooter. Yeah. Just fucking horrible. But yeah, other than cartoons and every, it, we had the Superman movies. Comic book movies didn't really pop up, and I think part of it was also the timing because Superman came out in 1978, and if you're going to plunk genre money in copying something, you're going to do Star Wars that made 14 times the money. Well, also, let's be fair. This is around the same time, heading into the same time that we've got our Conan the Barbarian followed by Conan the Destroyer which are, are pulpy and comic book properties that my dad went to go see. Yeah, uh, kind of. Uh, okay. Red Sonja, and then you get your knockoffs like your Beastmaster. <laughs> Don't knock Beastmaster. That was responsible for much shame. And, and while these are not necessarily socks. cape and cowl superheroes, they're still coming from the heroic tradition, you know, fantasy stories, um, things that young boys that also would have read Superman... And young girls, perhaps, um, yeah. at this time, um, would have been likely to go see. Yeah, and God knows I saw about two-thirds of them at one time or another. I think I saw Crawl twice. Nobody should <laughs> I'm see so Crawl sorry. twice. <laughs> but it's a, that's what you went to. But if you were a, a comic fan, there just it wasn't a lot. It didn't really turn into anything. Yeah. So... While I continued to read comics all through my adolescence and had noticed by 14, 15 that they were growing up with me, you know, because 86 was uh, Crisis and Dark Knight Returns yep. and Watchmen. So it was really, you know, granted it's an adolescent view of, ooh, this is adult material, but, you know, compared to stuff from when I was a little kid, it, it was. Yeah. So people who were reading comics understood that the art form and the medium was progressing and becoming more adult to joe blow it was still biff and pow zap don't zap, forget zap. plenty of zap <laughs> that's the sound my underwear elastic made after the atomic wedgies but uh so we knew all this was going on but it, it wasn't being reflected anywhere in the movies that the two superhero movies leading up to batman were superman 4 a quest for peace oh. And Howard the fucking Duck. Yep. That's all we had. And so, yeah, around 86, 87, 88, there's a huge focus within comics on Batman. Because, yeah, it was Dark Knight Returns, immediately followed by Year One. Uh, then there was Death in the Family, which is more, oh, you're 17 years old and you gave your parents a dollar to kill Robin because it's <laughs> 17. Oh, there's no place for Robin and Batman. So that's going on. Also, Jason Todd did suck. He did suck, and he continues to suck. But <laughs> Just pointing that out. Yeah, I paid my dollar. <laughs> Why is Red Hood and the Outlaw still on the set? Dan DiDio owes me two fucking dollars, or whatever the hell I paid for that phone call. But In today money, that's like 50 bucks. I know, or, or like a, <laughs> a, euro, hot meal. a euro and a half, or something <laughs> like that, but... So, yeah, all this cool Batman stuff was going on, and if you were into superhero comics, Batman was front and center, and then they announced there's going to be a Batman movie, 
and this is like eighty late eighty seven they start yeah. talking about it. And you know, with no internet or anything, the Boston Herald Entertainment section every few weeks there'd be something about oh the new Batman movie, and the first fucking thing that's announced is it's the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure <laughs> and Beetlejuice. It's like oh Jesus Christ! And it's really easy to say right now that oh Tim Burton and his visuals are a perfect match for Batman, but he was still pretty much a director for hire at that point. Yeah, and I and I have some thoughts on that when we start getting into talking about the actual movie. <laughs> okay, but it's I never saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I think I'm the only member of firmly in Generation X who just no, never I, saw it. That's it's a character that never did anything. For I me. I did not see it either. Uh, my mother had certain feelings about certain characters that were allegedly for kids, and Pee Wee was one of them, and he was verboten in the house. Well, it's a, we never had HBO, so every day I knew. Uh, going into high school, who was into Pee Wee Herman, saw all the specials, which I guess were subversively adult. And but I never had a chance to see any of them. By the time the movie came out, he was all already very much kind of seen as Pee Wee's Playhouse, and yeah, there was a particular type of human being who worshipped that that I really wanted no part of. So, to be fair, my mother also wouldn't let me watch Mister Rogers, but that's a whole separate. Well, <laughs> and that's why you're a cruel and shattered human being right now, but. <laughs> That's a whole different issue. <laughs> so yeah, that was the first thing we heard. This this guy who did these goofy comedies. Um, and then you hear it's it's Beetlejuice who's yeah. going to be Batman. And then you hear Prince is doing the soundtrack. And you've got a generation of comic fans who are already taking shit for walking around high school halls with a Dark Knight yeah. trade or... It's like, oh, Jesus, they're going to go full-on Batman 66. And at the same time, Adam West, I had forgotten this. I read it, uh, I think, on Comics Alliance this week. Adam West was going out and listening to anybody who would talk to him for two or three minutes, which is better than his usual price of, like you said, a hot meal, <laughs> You know that he should be Batman and they were going to totally fucking ruin it. You said there was a trailer that got cut for Well, that? yeah, what wound up happening was... Uh, because studios were nervous, and even without the internet, there was plenty of comics press. There were a lot more actual comic book magazines at the time. As I'm going through my long boxes, That's right. I, I found a 1989 issue of Comic Scene with a uh, Bob Kane <laughs> still blowing his own horn and trying to pretend he didn't just rip Bill Finger as far as he could go. Uh, trying to draw modernish Batman art, you know, talking about how they they thought they got it right, but so it, it, within those comic periodicals, there was a lot of uproar that they're they're fucking it up. We're not going to go see it. And at the time, comic book movies were not a big slam dunk. No, it was it, it was a risk for them to make. Yeah, so they're sinking all this money into something that the core demographic, who now after two or three years of Frank Miller and everything that came from his work have a real idea of Batman. So yeah, they came out with an early trailer. I want to say like Christmas before it came out you know, showing mostly the visuals and that, yep, there weren't any you know, zaps, yeah. if you will, or thwacks or blorps. Or, so it's going to be treated maturely. Yeah. And it showed there wasn't any Robin, which 
look, we paid $2 a phone call to kill the prick. Obviously, we didn't want him at the time. At the time, the deaths, it stuck. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it, it looked right. And that was that was what got the geeks excited. But it was also, it looked like a good enough action flick that it got everybody else excited. Right. So, yeah, by early 89, it was just... It was the most important thing in the world that this thing was coming out. You know, when the first marketing of just the bat signal and the June 23rd underneath, you know, was just thrilling because it's <laughs> like, okay, even that looks edgy enough. It's not cartoony. It looks like they're taking it seriously. I was on a school trip that spring, so it would have been April. Uh, to New York City, and the bus we were on went through Times Square, and they had that marketing thing with just the bat signal and June 23rd. And me and the one or two other comic geeks, you know, we're just psyched. And we're like, God damn it, look at that. And the teenage girls around us are like, what's that? Is that a mouth? Is that a mouth with sharp teeth? And it was <laughs> the first inkling that I ever had that the length of time where I could still listen to a teenage girl speak was really now being measured in months it was <laughs> it was just oh my god it was horrible because it it wasn't that much of a phenomenon to some people the, over time it became huge that summer you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting something batman and that oh, trip yeah. actually was the first inkling because we went to macy's and there was batman shit in macy's <laughs> I bought a Batman t-shirt. Uh, I think the one I still have of the big bat signal with the David Magicelli from okay. uh, year one leaping out of the bottom. That's pretty. That's a pretty sweet t-shirt. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think we forgot to mention it when we were in the comic store to buy the movie the other day and saying, yeah, we're going to talk about it on the show because we haven't seen it in that many years. He, the owner of the store was like, Batman in 1989 bought me my house. That's right. It was unbelievable. Yeah, because he's been in the comics business, you know, much longer than you would think looking at him. <laughs> yeah, well, he doesn't have the same habits that we do. Comics keep him young. <laughs> yeah, it's not working for me. <laughs> I'm as soft as rotted fruit. I don't know what the hell's happening to me. but uh, Don't know I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, my my experience was I saw it that summer, and that was actually a weird one. I was going to go into the big bad city, Worcester. Uh, <laughs> it is a fine place to buy morphine. Yeah, with my friend uh, Celeste to go see it, and my dad was adamantly opposed to letting me go with her by ourselves because Worcester. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like one of the first times where I was like, uh, no, I'll be going. Um, and if we could not have this scene here at this family barbecue gathering, that would be fabulous. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> the only problem that I had was, uh, yeah, I went to see it at our local theater and, uh, only it's, a uh, opening day was the 23rd, June 23rd. Um, and for a couple of weeks there were radio stations that were supposedly having sneak previews and, you know, I, my shitty menial, uh, summer job because yep. school was out by then not doing anything for my pay <laughs> except try to win radio contests to go see batman 
and none of them worked out. And a buddy of mine said, I, I heard there's a sneak preview, just an open sneak preview at the theater on Thursday night at 10 o'clock. And sure enough, called him. It was there. And me and uh, my buddy, Trebuchet, who was our guest a couple of weeks ago, yep. immediately went to the theater. We were first in line. We stood there for two fucking hours before they let us in. And uh, we, were, we were in the front row. And our logic, because <laughs> we were 18 and said, so we're in the front row. The light will hit our eyes first. <laughs> I was utterly fuckable in high school is what I'm trying to say. But so they rolled the trailer and then nothing. And five minutes later, they rolled the trailer and then nothing. It goes on and on. They fucked up the film. So one of my strongest memories of seeing Batman the first time was seeing that <laughs> fucking Yahoo serious young <laughs> Einstein trailer four goddamn times. <laughs> I've created the formula for beer. Oh, I, to this day, I haven't seen that movie. But Nor because, should anybody. So yeah, the only shit I took from my parents was because it took them an hour and 20 minutes to start the thing. I wasn't home by midnight. Apparently my dad came looking to see if my car was there. <laughs> If I'd gone out boozing. <laughs> but, so, I mean, yeah, and saw it that night. I think I saw it the next night. I saw it seven times that summer. And That's part of it was because I was the big comic book fan. I had friends calling, you want to go see Batman? Just because they wanted to watch me watch it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was. What did you do, jack off? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> well, for an extra dollar, I could have <laughs> talked about it, but. No, it was just, I'd been talking about it, and I was the one who everybody knew read Batman comics, so they wanted to watch me watch it at least twice. That had two different people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, immediately got it on VHS, and I watched it over and over and over again. Uh, as time sort of went on, I saw Batman Returns. I still maintain, and we're not going to talk much about that today, I still maintain Batman Returns is, is better than the original Having just watched them back to back, I think they're both deeply fucking flawed, and we'll get into some of those flaws in a minute. But so yeah, Batman Returns saw a couple times in the theater. Um, saw Batman Forever opening night, and that was really the beginning of the end for Batman movies for me until the Nolan trilogy. They just completely started to fall apart. As we were watching the the two movies, um, I felt that the first Batman held up if only because since Burton hadn't fully come into his own stylistically, you had a lot of gothic sort of uh, architecture going on, but you didn't have the goofy, whimsical stuff that started to show up in Batman Returns, which I found somewhat distracting. I can see that. I think you've got a point. I think by Batman Returns, and I don't want to get too tangential, because we're really here to talk about the first yeah. one, because there's not much to say about <laughs> most of the other ones. But uh, I think between Batman and, well, between the production of Batman 89 and Batman Returns, Batman made a bazillion dollars. Yeah. Uh, Burton did Edward Scissorhands, which was much closer to his personal vision and that was a big hit. So by the time Batman Returns came around, he could do... Yeah, he could write his check. Yeah, dumb shit like put midgets in penguin costumes <laughs> and hope that we didn't notice that the penguins that were bringing the penguin into the sewer to have a Viking funeral were bigger than the fucking penguin. 
mutant penguins living in the sewers of Gotham. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Danny DeVito's whole toy Batmobile to take over the actual Batmobile so he could say, I played this town like a harp from hell. I will grant you that. That's the worst line, I think, in motion picture history. <laughs> that makes Birth of a Nation look like a well-reasoned, <laughs> well-reasoned cinematic choice. But, sorry, I, but I don't want to get too far off on that. You know, the architecture in Batman 89, I think, was a big part of why it was a hit. Yes. Because it then goes on to influence the the Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, um, Batman the Animated Series, and the look of those other animated series going forward. Well, and the comic itself, over not too many months, you know, we saw... A much more gothic yes. Gotham than you no know, Gotham was basically a modern city. Look at Dark Knight Returns. You know, it, yeah, it's dark and stylized, but you know, the the skyline is New York, basically. Yeah. So I, I think that look had a lot to do with why the thing was a hit. Um, that said, it's very much a superhero movie filtered through 80s action yes there is there is quite a bit of that it's <laughs> batman kills a couple people <laughs> yeah or stands by as they die just yeah. sort of implacable like oh and there's huh. a <laughs> schwarzenegger ish is that a thing sure schwarzenegger ish catchphrases back and forth as people are badly injured or killed um Far too much automatic weapons fire <laughs> than you'd expect from from Batman, um, but it, yeah, it was it was the language of an '80s action movie uh, in that bad guy has to die. Oh, yeah. sorry, spoilers. Shit, <laughs> bad guy has to die. Bad guy and good guy need to have a personal relationship where the bad guy did something to warrant. What happens to him? Bad guy and good guy fight over girl. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Batman and, and the Joker. Their primary conflict was over. Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger. <laughs> Kim Basinger and her rotten short fingernails. And the, the two, only two things I remember about Kim Basinger from that movie are her shitty fucking manicure. And when she wakes up after uh, Batman basically roofies her <laughs> to grope around her tits to find the film of him unmasked. Yeah, yeah. Is her horrible untanned legs and ass. I was not looking at it that closely. What I what stood out for hey, me I was, was 18 years old when this movie came out. I was prime time to look at it closely and I looked away. One of the dresses she was wearing uh for the the Bruce Wayne charity ball um, did not hold up well in age. It was clearly an 80s prom dress. <laughs> yeah. Poofy and crinolined and... <laughs> yeah, but I didn't see a lot of shoulder pads, so we'll call that pretty good. No, but it was... it was it, There was a giant ruffle, I think, on one side. <laughs> that was a tumor. <laughs> it, it was it was sitting on her acting nerve. That's why she sucked <laughs> oh, so badly. Oh, okay. But... But actually, all right, here's another thing that just stood out to me. I mean... She's Vicky Vale in this is a a photojournalist, and they have to create this character of Knox. Well, wait, wait. She's a fashion photographer who moves 
effortless, effortlessly yeah. into photojournalism. Yeah. Um, for, for no particular reason other than it seemed like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, and clearly people are so impressed with her work that her name is misspelled on the cover of Time Magazine. <laughs> that little detail has bothered the shit out of me for 25 years. I'd forgotten about it until Friday night. But I, you know, I'm, I guess I was perplexed as to why they needed to make her a photojournalist rather than keep her as a reporter. Like, are words too hard like, <laughs> for her for little Basinger, brain? <laughs> very possibly. Um, I think there's probably a couple reasons. Off the top of my head, if the goal is to have her fall in love with Batman, you still need an external force potentially trying to find out who he is. She could do that as a reporter, though. I'm saying Knox is the external force. As soon as she falls in love with Batman, now it's not about exposing him. So she stops eh. being a threat. Then it becomes a Lois Lane, you know, ooh, Mooney, can you read my mind? <laughs> There's a reason that As Batman <laughs> just gasses her, grabs her tits. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading your mind. Dark, gritty. <laughs> yeah. We just... We just pour one. Here, have this bat roofie. The first time, first time Bruce Wayne nails her. He's sitting there sipping milk. Just, and I know I rewound it to notice he's the one pouring wine into her glass to get her fucking hammered. Gets her drunk enough to take her shoes off so she can stand next to him without noticing that Batman's five two. No, no, he's five ten. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. The internet said. You know what? In two minutes, I could go on my Wikipedia page and be nine feet tall with a four-foot dick. That doesn't make it the case. But, oh, God, he just... <laughs> so, basically, he gets her shit-faced, plows her, and then when she wakes up and wants to do anything, have a have some breakfast, have a conversation, perhaps get his phone number, it becomes like Belushi's speech in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> you know I love you, baby. <laughs> I can't give you my phone number. I got business. A flat tire. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so creepy and wrong 25 years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what's my name? Uh, Matches Malone. I got to go. <laughs> uh, I'm John Paul Valley. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've completely lost the thread. Just, yeah, that whole relationship between them is just so baffling and stupid and awful. Yeah, and and now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of feel like uh, Iron Man touches on that later on with that scene in the, the morning after um, Tony plows the reporter. And he just lets Jarvis show her out with, well, with a pepper assist. Well, the difference is Tony, Sp <laughs> Tony Stark is supposed to be kind of a shit. Well, so is Bruce Wayne. No, Bruce Wayne. Come on, Bruce Wayne, the international playboy. No, it's a, you've been hearing it as long as I have. Bruce Wayne is the mask. That's the conventional wisdom. Well, yeah, and in order to be the mask, you have to be the dick. Show yourself out. It's, it's not the mask of sanity of a fucking serial killer. It's so that he can dress up like Dracula and kick someone in the taint later. Yeah, he did that. He did it every night since 1939. No, in this movie, he did that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was just... Uh, Awful, stiff-legged kick. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, welcome to Dateline NBC. Have a seat. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole Vicky Vale thing is, is awful. And <laughs> yeah. 
and and Alfred's the worst. <laughs> Here's why Alfred's the worst. When Alfred took a shine to her, he doesn't tell her that Bruce is living a double life. <laughs> no, he brings her down to his subterranean <laughs> fucking lair, of which there is only a single exit. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to the Bat Cave. <laughs> the bat is my penis. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so that didn't hold up. <laughs> oh, well, it was enjoyable as we watched it. I think that's the important thing. I <laughs> Well, yeah, and certainly I didn't think anything of it in 1989 cuz you know every air quote female lead in an action film was nothing but eye candy and the basest of motivations to to get the hero to go do whatever the script says generally yeah but so all right bruce wayne predator (laughs) that's a possible title i should write that (laughs) one down predator at best creep at worst um yeah, I mean... Bruce Wayne to catch a predator. I'm just uh, looking at my notes from... Uh, yeah, I watched this movie and took notes like I had to do a book report. So, and yeah, Bruce Wayne as Batman is absolutely no better. It's... <laughs> and I, I am not the first one to make this uh, observation. I forget where I first read it. The first thing that we see Batman do in this or any movie... Is get shot and fall down. That's right. So. Yep. <laughs> well, no, to be fair, he raises his arms Actually, over his head, no. then he gets shot. The first thing <laughs> the first thing he does is watch two meth heads rob a family without intervening in yes. any fucking way. That's where, we, that's where we were starting with this. Like, why isn't he doing anything? Yeah, that's heroic behavior. Uh, yeah. it's. Oh, no. I want to show off my new bat cape, and I want to do it with good lighting. You know, the the family with the kid that, that so strongly resembles, you know, what happened to him and his family in Crime Alley. Yeah. And he stands there like he's in either in shock or just doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> he's watching his greatest tragedy that destroyed his entire life being relived in front of his eyes. <laughs> I mean, maybe he was masturbating. <laughs> this time it's not me. We're in that happy place where I am the most beautiful boy. <laughs> God. All right, so that was, yeah, so that's the first thing he did. Watch a robbery and do nothing that completely, <laughs> completely relives his own worst tragedy. Yep. Uh, get shot. Uh, threaten a guy. Threaten a guy that's in character. All right, I can buy that. Yeah. Um, he kicked the other guy off the building or something? <laughs> no, I think that's later. <laughs> Actually, that is later. We'll we'll get to that. Let's let's try to go from notes and from memory when we saw Batman in this. Um so that was the first Batman. Was the next one Axis Chemicals? Yes. Okay. So Axis Chemicals. Um, I'm trying to think if he actively murdered anybody. Um, no, but he he showed reckless disregard for um, how how the bullets would impact the very sensitive chemical equipment around him, as as he had things ricochet off the him. Sensitive. <laughs> The vat? <laughs> Don't well, shoot no, the but vat. Saying, like, it, Batman is is someone who's supposed to be trained in all sorts of hand to hand combat, and should have a, an understanding that uh, a gun is a distance weapon. So if you get in close enough, bullets should not be an issue. And yet, 
and this is the thing that leads to Napier falling in the vat of acid, he treats the gun as a, oh no, I should stay away, and he holds up his gauntlets like he's friggin' Wonder Woman, and (laughs) (laughs) and everything ricochets off him, leading to the scars that that Napier gets across his cheeks that lead to the perma-smile, and then he falls in the vat of acid. That seems careless for someone who should have a better understanding of hand-to-hand. Okay, but let's even take a, a step further back. He, in what I thought was an excellent shot like movie shot, grabs Napier, lifts him into the air. Nicholson shows, acts legitimate fear at what's happening yeah, to him. this is true. Then, with a gun on the commissioner, uh, Batman puts Napier down without intervening in any way, allows Napier to pick up his loaded <laughs> weapon, Yep. carefully aim at uh, Eckhart, Blow him away. Yeah. Smile over his work <laughs> before then just standing there Eckhart, to again. Think about the future. <laughs> before just standing there again to get shot at. <laughs> and then, now this is the thing we argued about either failing to save Napier from falling into the, the vat. Or, or not being vat. very invested in saving Napier from. <laughs> well, it's, uh, granted, we were at this point drinking heavily while watching the movie. <laughs> You were initially convinced that he just let him die. Yeah. And I don't think that's the case. I think there was enough of a good faith effort in the cinematography to show that he was trying. But he's only (laughs) 5'2". Oops. Oops, sorry. He did. Did he get a hand on him at all or? Ah. Actually, that would even be worse (laughs) because he got a hand on him and just, you know, (laughs) bop him on the top of the head. Pry his fingers off. <laughs> uh, like like a baby in a crib. Oh, oh, you're learning to stand? Are you now? Are you? No, you're not. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I'm pretty sure you just admitted to a felony. It's an inside joke. Fuck it. We're going to move on quickly. Um. All right. So there was that. When's the next time we saw Batman? Uh, we saw Batman later in the movie. <laughs> Well, there was uh, trying to rescue Vicky Vale. Yes. Where uh, yeah, we we learned out that his his uh, bat grapnel that allows him to be raised into the air is substandard and incapable <laughs> incapable of rescuing both Batman and even someone with the weight of a child. Oh yeah, he shows up. Uh, yeah, to save Vicky Vale, um, who is beginning to. Uh, demonstrate that jerry hall is actually a better actress <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah at least jerry hall didn't seem intimidated by anybody well no jerry hall was basically playing herself so it's like all right i have to demonstrate a, a level of comfort around rich old men who pay for everything i do and behave like i like them yeah okay i can do that yeah she had that down <laughs> had it down but um so yeah, he, he when they go to use that that whatever winching hook, <laughs> they, they call it the grapnel in grapnel. the uh, the video game. So we'll go with that. Okay. Um, yeah, Vicky allegedly says she's a hundred and eight pounds, and it turns out not so much. <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it wheels them out of there at the at the speed of molasses in January. All right. <laughs> 
so if it can't even lift, say, a buck and a quarter, I think that's why Robin wasn't in the movie. He fucking <laughs> fell to his death. And and then and then Batman ever so gallantly cracks a joke about Vicky's weight. <laughs> well, we've established that he's a perverse cock. <laughs> so it, yeah, he bundles her into his car, drives away without giving a destination. <laughs> Yeah. He kidnaps her. He yeah. fat shames her, and then he kidnaps fat her. Fat shames her. <laughs> takes her to his, his basement fucking bunker. With, like, interrogation lights on her in the car, so she's disoriented. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> gasses her, gropes her, and puts her on a fucking bus. <laughs> he said his name was Matches. <laughs> I can't pull him out of a lineup. <laughs> Why does my asshole hurt? <laughs> All right. Uh, when else did Batman appear? Uh, um, oh, the initial rescue uh, at the Flugelheim Museum. Yes. <laughs> uh, actually, that's where all this was born from. Yep. He, he did all right with that, I guess. I I'm guess. trying to think how he <laughs> fucked that. He came in through the top window, fired his... Uh, yeah, there wasn't enough time for him to fuck anything up. Right. He fired his little uh, zip zip line gun. Yep. Got her out of there. Yeah, got her out. Okay. Got her out. <laughs> got one person out. <laughs> Bodies all over the fucking floor. <laughs> right. Doesn't even investigate to see if any of them can be saved. Massive property damage in the art museum. <laughs> yeah. Just allows that to happen. So, yeah. Insult the injury with everything the Joker did. Bust out the fucking light <laughs> in a city where it doesn't stop raining. Yeah. <laughs> so, the billions of dollars worth of damage. Cultural loss. <laughs> Can't be measured. Uh, it's probably covered by the Wayne Foundation. It'll just be a tax write-off. Yeah. So. Then so is, yeah. Later on, then I think we get to the uh, the parade where he he rescues or works on rescuing everyone from the Smilex gas. Yeah. I'm just sitting here now. I'm flashing back on. Jesus, no wonder Gotham needs a Batman because I I made a note of this. <laughs> While we were watching it, Ace Axis Chemicals is a shithole <laughs> with 1930s technology and open vats of shit that people can just fall into from catwalks. Yes. Gotham PD is on the scene. We've already established that they are completely incompetent because Commissioner Gordon, the head of the police, walks in, looks at Eckhart in the face, basically says, I know you're dirty. And leaves him on the scene yeah! with his weapon. <laughs> Doesn't relieve him of his weapon. Does say he's taking over the crime scene, but yeah, yeah otherwise does nothing. Yeah, like, no firing, no suspension, no nothing. Yeah. Unions are a bitch in Gotham, man. <laughs> so what what we and then yeah, Jack Napier falls into a vat, apparently dies. Vigilante escapes. We have an active crime scene. Officers down. Yeah, nobody cordons this off as a crime scene. Yeah, nobody dredges the vat to see if there's right. a dead guy in it. Well, yeah, I mean... It, with, the, with the heavy cordon and perimeter security they put on, this man's stinking of chemicals. Where's the crime scene investigation unit? Where's, well, where are the squints? Like, <laughs> uh, they're busy walking into walls and shit because they let this guy walk <laughs> out of the perimeter, bleeding from the face. Nobody asked for his ID. And a week later... <laughs> Axis is open for business, dumping out Smilex gas. The cops are nowhere in sight. No OSHA. No. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, oh, You'd think they'd be on this. Oh, OSHA doesn't go anywhere near Gotham. <laughs> OSHA would have nuked Axis Chemicals from orbit. That's another possible title. But So, no wonder they need a, a Batman, because Gotham PD is useless. I bet the, the hook for CSI Gotham is somebody puts on their sunglasses and goes, uh, fuck it. <laughs> okay, so... So yes, now we have the uh, the rescue of Gotham from uh from the the party of princes uh who do you trust or whatever it was. Yeah, okay. So the the populace of Gotham turn out for this parade that the Joker is hosting despite the fact that he has killed hundreds of people at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, killed hundreds, terrorized the entire city. But but he's throwing a parade. <laughs> That's right. So he throws a parade. Half of Gotham shows up. Um, I'm trying to remember the entire sequence of events. Uh, Joker presses the button to make his balloons start to inflate. People start dying in the street. And they're shocked. And they're shocked. <laughs> so Batman, the one thing he arguably does right, he uses the Batwing to cut all the cables and send the balloons up. And the again, one of the best lines in the movie was Nicholson's line read on, my balloons. <laughs> Those are my balloons. <laughs> that, he took my balloons. That was really awesome. <laughs> so, Batman then, having done one thing right, <laughs> performs a loop-de-loop. And begins strafing a city street <laughs> with automatic weapons and rockets. There are wounded. There are dying. <laughs> there are people who need evacuation. Emergency services That's need right. to reach these people. But Batman is shooting everything except the Joker. Yeah, he, he's getting everything else. Meanwhile, Joker has a ridiculously long-barreled pistol. <laughs> yeah, a, a thirty-eight with a, a barrel like John Holmes's third leg. <laughs> Showing that clearly the prop designer didn't know how guns work. That he manages to use to take out the Batwing. Which, <laughs> I'm not sure if that says more toward the shitty engineering of Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> or if it says more for Jack as a killer, but I think at this point Batman may have killed <laughs> or threw an action allowed to die. I think that Batman has a higher body count in this movie than Jack Napier. It's very possible. <laughs> Batman fails all three of the laws of robotics. They should have sent the fucking Terminator to save Gotham. So, okay, so... All right, so now now we had a plane crash and the associated property damage to this. Uh, Joker captures Vicky the girl hostage. Um, starts Hauls her up into a cathedral like he's the friggin' hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, goes hauling his ass up this giant spiral staircase surrounding a big empty space. If only Batman had some sort of device that we had previously like established would allow him to... <laughs> move quickly. Yeah. Except that it won't allow him to move quickly. We've established this. Well, and, and it may not have lifted him at all, considering <laughs> it's apparently very finite mechanical tolerances. If he'd had Indian food for lunch and hadn't stopped by the shitter, he'd never make it. 
be shooting yep. fish in a barrel as he just swings back and forth. So he also runs up the stairs. They should actually, they should dub it so that when he uses the grapnel, they should start to play elevator music. <laughs> just <laughs> do, 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 do. Or baby elephant walk or... <laughs> Big no, like, money, just, big money, no whammy. Yeah, just do music, girl from Ipanema. Where does he get those wonderful toys? China. He's, he's trolling dumpsters <laughs> outside the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Oh, this piece of shit doesn't work. Score. I'll paint it black and call it Bat. <laughs> All right, so Gotham's in flames. He's killed thousands. <laughs> Batman and... <laughs> An effort to really ruin things. All right, so he gets up he, to the top. Yep. Now, the Joker had goons up there. I think so. So I'm not sure how they... Is that just where they were hanging out? Were they smoking the ganj and just waiting <laughs> for the, the gas to dissipate? No, I don't... There may not have been goons up there. I, I had had a lot to drink at this point. They, they um, did something with the bell. Yeah, a Joker fired acid at it from his flower. Right, and, and that it, went, you know, tumbling down, m- missing Batman by inches. Yeah, but no, he he had goons there. No, the goons came in. They were coming in by helicopter. Okay, all right. Forget I said that. They were coming in by helicopter because, uh, no, he's using this opportunity to uh, have uh, one la- last dance with uh, Kim Basinger. I wanted to say Mary Jane, but because it was very similar to that sort of. Yeah dead girl flopping around kind of <laughs> yeah and that was kim basinger yeah that's so okay that's what it looked like <laughs> based on her acting who really gives a shit <laughs> um and she, yeah then she has her weird acid freak out moment where she tells him that she loves purple um <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well she starts by by kissing his sleeve which really gets my motor running I mean, <laughs> it's a niche fetish <laughs> yeah the Joker had <laughs> The suit was an extension of his body. It was some sort of outer epidermis that was more sensitive than the average. This isn't the greatest American hero, and don't make a foreskin joke here. It's <laughs> creepy. Purple foreskin means you should really go to the doctor. Purple foreskin. <laughs> no. We'll be off iTunes by Monday morning. Stop it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, I was pretty hammered, too. Did, did Joker... Did Batman push the Joker off the ledge? They he... they struggle um, as he's trying to get a hold of the uh, the ladder coming out of the helicopter. Well, that's after because Joker goes over the ledge, and uh, Batman and Vicky look over, and Joker reaches right. up and, and yanks them yanks. both over, which apparently showing a truly Herculean center of gravity to be able to do that yeah where'd that come from <laughs> so uh, the the insane have superpowers so yes and and then yeah then there's the finger stomping or something and no he yeah he grabs the ladder and batman yeah shoots him with the grapnel and then shoots the other uh, against the gargoyle right and, and the gargoyle comes away from the the side of the building Fairly easily. Like, there's some structural integrity problems with, with this church, and somebody should tell somebody. Well, we've already established the Joker <clears throat> has super fucking strength to drag the two of them over <laughs> with no leverage whatsoever. Um, so, it, And I think that's the only detail that stops it from being a straight-up murder of the Joker, <laughs> that if only he let go of the damn ladder, 
Well, he still would have swung down and busted his head open on the side of the building. But Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yes, after doing millions in property damage, firing live rounds at the, the dead and wounded and people in need of evacuation, <laughs> destroying a massive cathedral that will never be replaced, allowing the, <laughs> allowing the villain to die horribly. And allowing his goons to get away. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't see a roundup of people in purple jackets. These psychopaths. That helicopter, like once once Joker falls, that helicopter's gone. That's true. It's just okay. Well, <laughs> thanks for everything. <laughs> we gotta go. <laughs> yeah, then Batman uh, gives people a, a searchlight. Yes. <laughs> Guys, call me. <laughs> I'm, I'm down here in my rape cave. <laughs> I'm so lonely. <laughs> now the Vicky. Now the Vicky comes in. The Bloom is off the rose for me. I need a crazier girl in the next movie. <laughs> Which he gets. All I can tell you is... <laughs> that I, I was going to say, that's why Alfred is worse. Because as soon as he realizes, <laughs> oh, I kind of like this girl. Yeah, he leads her down into the... That's right. Hey, baby, you want to see my basement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, does it hold up? <laughs> I think it was an enjoyable watch. I mean, it's like anything else. If you sit there and you nitpat, nitpick at something, you're going to find flaws. You know, overall, did you have fun watching it? Yeah, and, and that is true. It's With the weight of years, it's easy to see where clearly they shoehorned this into action movie tropes. Yes. I think the minute Batman gets to the top of that cathedral... It becomes any other action movie from from the eighties. Yeah, it could be Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's Die Hard with with makeup. Right. It's you know, woman in trouble and one last weapon at somebody's reserve. Dude falls to his death, but it's you know, catchphrases back and forth. You know, dance with the devil. You know, I made you. You made me first. Rub another man's rhubarb. Well, that was that was earlier, but yeah. <laughs> so clearly they made it work in this formula that they knew would work as as a movie. Right. Whereas, yeah, looking at it from years later <clears throat> as a Batman story, it, it doesn't really... There are problems with it as a Batman story. Yeah. I mean, the the elements of the origin story are there. There's enough stuff there to go, oh, okay, yep, Batman, but then whoever wrote it has enough... Um, Sam, Sam Ham wrote it. Okay, Sam Ham was not paying attention and had Michael Keaton as Batman do a lot of things that Batman would never do. Yeah, yeah. It's as a as an eighties action movie, you know, and compared to all the other superhero movies that had come out before that, you know, that you can count on one hand, it did what it needed to do. Right, and it certainly was what we were looking for at the time, if, if only by what it wasn't, which was a big, campy... And looking at it now, some of those elements are there. That, you know, big purple glass gas clouds at the Flugelheim, and... Well, yeah, you know, I, I the, think... The giant balloons that are the Joker's plan. I think Nicholson's Joker owes a lot more to Batman 66 than pretty much any other part of that movie. 
There's some there's some parts where he's just straight up, you know, channeling Cesar Romero. He's definitely has the the laugh down. Yeah. So and there's some other stuff where he's you know being his own crazy self from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But yeah. <laughs> between the two, <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think it'll go into normal rotation. I think there's a reason that I have all the uh, Nolan all the Nolan ones on DVD and Blu-ray, but uh, this one that. I was literally counting days when I was 17 and 18 years old. You know, it was the most important thing that summer was to go see Batman and to see it a bunch of times. And there's a reason I just I had it on VHS, never yeah. got it on any other format. And that's okay. But I've got it now, along with Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. You can also use it as a coaster. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be watching those two. <laughs> I can't imagine the circumstances. Those are two I only saw in the theater. I saw the first one, it was opening night. Batman and Robin, I'd heard enough bad shit about it. It was literally, I was living in a town. For once, I didn't have something to do on a particular weeknight, and I was short on cash, and it had a little second-run movie theater in that town. I'm like, fine, I'll walk up there. and Man, I... Wish I had somehow scraped together enough for a 40-ouncer or something <laughs> to ease the pain. Superhero movies have gotten a little bit better since. They have. Yeah. They have. We wouldn't have any of them if it weren't for Batman. But even Batman, looking at its legacy. Well, you, you know, when we make the joke about, you know, if you live long enough, you're not the hero, you're the villain. That iteration of the batman franchise did that to itself yeah because you know it was a very exciting time that allowed for oh, okay we're gonna make other batman movies and this would be great and then you get bat nipples and then you have no Ugh. superhero movies for a while <laughs> well i'm trying to think what other superhero movies came out uh, there was and the problem is the only one i ever remember is uh punisher that went straight to video yeah well judge dread came out Around this time? Yeah, it was 94, 95-ish. Um, technically, Time Cop is a comic book. Yep. I mean, a few things got made because of it, I guess, but sadly. Um, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four is in there somewhere. Yeah, well, that was just to, <laughs> to maintain the the contract, to, the, the rights to it. But, you know, by the end of the 90s, you're getting, you know, the TV version of Buffy. So you're getting s characters with superpowers, but in other ways. Yeah, I think TV, it's same thing with after the Superman movie. Uh, TV was, was the initial thing that sort of got the, the boost from a big superhero movie. But, yeah, that's a sad thing. The only direct thing, other direct thing I can think of that Batman got made was the Flash TV show. <laughs> yeah. So, pause for segue. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we're already more than an hour in, so why don't we just do this uh, briefly? Okay. But uh, yes, if you have not heard the uh, the pilot for the new uh, WB Flash series that will be be debuting this fall uh, was leaked to the internet. It was. And uh, we found it uh, in one of its brief iterations on YouTube, so we were able to watch the thing. Um doesn't suck 
it's really not bad. It's it's not going to make you any smarter. Oh no. <laughs> um, there are certainly enough nods in it to. They've got the Easter egg thing down. You know, yes. Enough references to flash things that'll make the fanboys like me happy, but don't necessarily might not necessarily lead anywhere. Well, I think also uh, my feeling watching it was there were certain things that are hinted at. I think you have to, you're going to have to take Flash kind of part and parcel with Arrow. Yeah, I mean, they made it very clear in this pilot that it's taking place in the same universe because, well, we already saw Barry Allen in last season on Arrow and in the pilot. Stephen he... Amell makes a, a cameo near the end of, of this pilot, yeah. also in Arrow garb. Yeah, so DC's having a decent set of luck putting together a DC universe on TV. Yeah, you know, there was... What I liked about it, it sort of reminded me of the positivity of the early years of Smallville, in a way. Like, you know, it wasn't crazy dark. You know, it was... <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but, and, and this is it's something I've talked with you about. Smallville, when we first started watching it, it was, uh, this isn't continuity, this is crap, and uh, we did the same thing with Arrow, and both of them got better, better yeah. you know, relatively quickly. Now we really like Arrow, and we really liked Smallville for the first several seasons. First five or so. Yeah, but that's where the problem starts, because all of the actors and everybody involved only sign contracts for generally five seasons. And after that, you start get to get into people renegotiating, and they want to produce, and they want to direct, direct a few episodes. Maybe they want to try their hand at writing it. Certain people decide, you know, I've had enough of this shit and move on to do other things. And you wind up with, uh, over a few more years, particularly in the case of Smallville, where it was, I think we can squeeze a few more dollars out of this dying fucking pig <laughs> if we could just keep it going for a while longer. As much as we liked it the first few seasons, by the last two, I think we watched the Jeff Johns written episodes. Yep. And the finale... Where they didn't even give him a full fucking shot in the Superman suit. I I, uh, I watched I watched the Zod episodes. Well, I want to own that. That's because you have this perverse thing about Callum Gray Blue. blue. Call- yeah, they got the guy from Dead Like Me. <laughs> that was like the loser ghost to be Zod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Interesting choice. Um, he he did all right. He did all right. It, it wasn't <laughs> enough to keep me watching, but. Uh, Flash does not have that, uh, this is really broken continuity problem. This is no. really very, very straightforward to the historical origin and to the, the newer origin for the new 52. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's flat out, you know, they add a whole particle accelerator thing to, you know, make it more science-y for the kids, <laughs> but... Yeah, in another case of a shitty fucking CSI department. Yeah, <laughs> Barry's working in the crime lab next to his big shelf of just open vats and beakers yeah. of chemicals. <laughs> just burbling away on the shelf. No control, no guardrail, no. no nothing. Which, to be fair, that's the image from the comic book. Right. You know, so it really took me a while to say that that really doesn't make any sense in the 21st century world <laughs> that stuff would be locked up somewhere <laughs> yeah david caruso would have your badge motherfucker gil grissom be all over you <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i mean csi fans wouldn't necessarily believe that but they also filtered in the uh 
the, the whole uh, Barry's mom was murdered. Yeah. And his dad is suspected, and his dad is John Wesley. Dad, his dad was conf- convicted, and yeah, his dad yeah. is John Wesley. Ship. So, which is a nice <laughs> nod back to you know the poor prick got a rough shake. <laughs> that show in the nineties wasn't his fault, but it wasn't all that crazy. Yeah, they tried. And but, then, uh, and they've got Star Labs as as sort of a player in this, and the bloom is off them because they're the ones that cre- caused the accident with the particle accelerator, so they are not the force for science and good. They're they're sort of trying to get their reputation back. Yeah, and they've they've got it built up. Um, but now back to the uh, the origin. It, it seemed pretty clear for comic book fans. Uh, they're going to see okay. We're we're going to see Reverse Flash. We almost yep. just about see the goddamn Reverse Flash. Yeah, and they set, but they set this up very, where it seems to be going is there is a love triangle or there will be a love triangle and the guy that Iris is dating is the guy that's going to become Reverse Flash. Yeah. Um, God, the whoever's playing Iris can't act. She's a terrible fucking actress. She's a pretty human being. I don't think she's as bad as the girl that played Lana, though. So. <laughs> All right, she was also... Easy on the eyes, but just horrible. The Pink Ranger. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is that a euphemism? No. Put, she... <laughs> put down the Pink Ranger, because that sounds like a euphemism, and that's how we party in the titles for these shows. But, uh, yeah, I'm just uh, going over my notes. I frantically put down while we watched this thing, hoping it wouldn't get deleted while we were right in the middle yeah. of it. That, uh, here's a note, uh, which will make... Which will make sense when you see the pilot. If Barry's favorite song was Poker Face, he probably wishes he died in that explosion. <laughs> I don't think that was his favorite song. That was... <laughs> yeah, well, it, after the explosion, he's he's in a coma for a while. Um, and they played music because they say the hearing's the last thing to go in the coma. I don't know. It's I wrote it down, and I thought it was funny, so I said it. Jeff Johns found a way to shoehorn uh, the kid who will eventually be Vibe into the show because... God damn, yeah. he's not going to let that die. Yeah, a vibe and a... Caitlin, Caitlin Snow. Snow, who I think is Killer Frost. Yeah. And they really set the thing up you know, by showing a map of where the radiation landed to give it very much a freak of the week yeah, kind of and structure. They're using this Which, as a as an excuse for, here's how metahumans start. <laughs> uh, yeah, and which is fine. And the freak of the week thing, a lot of people have a problem with it. I don't, to start a show like this... Yeah, Arrow started that way. Smallville started that way. Buffy started that That's way. That's true. Once you've got the hooks in, then you can build the mythology. Yeah, in terms of Easter eggs, uh, we get to see the the cage where Gorilla Grodd at one point was kept. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice little Easter egg. I'm I'm not sure how you fit a super intelligent gorilla into a, a CW show, which is all about pretty people punching on each other. Well, we don't know that he was super intelligent before the particle accelerator exploded. Oh, true, but it still comes down to talking monkey on pretty person TV. <laughs> so it will um, be played by Khloe Kardashian. What do you say? <laughs> you were the worst kind of person. <laughs> um, the one thing I, I did have a problem with was we, we get weather wizard in this. Yep. But we get weathered wizard as a freak of the week, which is I'm OK with introducing a couple that way as just sort of a oh this happened to me but to me the rogues have always been up to a point inspired by flash yes you know certainly criminals and probably been criminals all their lives but they 
work in particular opposition to the Flash, be it for the challenge or the the prestige of going up against a superhero or, or whatever. Just this sort of random got my powers, gonna kick the dude in the red jammies. I'm but not think, sure that'll keep me going. I think you'll start to see more of the inspired ones as we go further down the line because you'll get your Captain Boomerangs, you'll get your Tricksters, you'll you'll get your Pied Pipers, and those will be the ones that have more of a science bent. They'll okay. come out of this, the way that you know Star Labs is fractured now. Not all of those people, you know, stayed with the lab. Some of them, when the lab kind of had to dissolve, probably went off into the night with their tech. All right, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, and I hadn't thought of it that way. So, yeah, I hope that's a direction that it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, realistically, for for the discerning comic geek, the <laughs> most interesting thing about it was the post-credit stinger. Yes. Where the doctor, was it Dr. Wells, Wells uh, who's supposedly in a wheelchair after the whole explosion, uh, goes to a secret room in Star Labs. That seems to be covered, the walls seem to be covered with giant braille. Yeah, uh, whether that's a design choice or it means something, not sure, but he, and spoilers here, <laughs> um, he stands up and goes to some sort of futuristic display that shows... Stands up from his wheelchair. He's supposedly, like, paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. Uh, goes to this futuristic display that shows a newspaper front page that shows... Flash disappears during crisis, and red skies disappear. Um, And also, interestingly, uh, Wayne Tech and Queen Industries merge. Yeah. Because in a world undergoing crisis with the sky apparently on fire, the third biggest story of the day obviously was the corporate merger. (laughs) But obviously they're they're riffing on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, yes. The date given on the newspaper is 2024. Yeah. So it's it's a question of who is this dude really? What's his agenda? Um, is he really the same dude? Because there's a moment where he sort of changes his attitude about certain things about the Flash halfway through. Um, you had a theory that maybe it's... I thought maybe Rex Hunter... Um, because of the whole time travel yeah. piece, um, which would make sense because Jeff Johns really likes any opportunity he can to maybe get Booster Gold involved because he likes writing that. Um, so that's the possibility. And then we were also bandying around the idea of Metron. Yeah, I that I'm not sure about. I like the idea of Metron because, yeah, we've got potentially a time traveler specifically shown in a moving chair um certainly there's a certain amount of the haughtiness and arrogance of (laughs) metron but nothing beyond those little indications to indicate maybe a new god so no but if they're gearing up towards potentially everything culminating in crisis and over an arrow you've got a character who's lila who's harbinger Probably. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. It would be interesting to see him try and do Crisis. I think what we're more likely to get is at a certain point, you know, <laughs> this 
this guy Wells is going to go full Doc Brown. It's like, <laughs> no, you, you're going to go fix this. <laughs> they'll do something to avoid it. Um, they, yeah, they need a hell of a lot more TV shows to go full crisis. Yeah, well, it, it makes me wonder, though, if at some point they're going to decide we need to kick everything forward X number of years for some reason. And so they've got that there as an end game. Hey, you got to fire an actor. Yeah. <laughs> Why not go full new 52 on it? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a possibility. You know, it would certainly be a way to, to get around the year five. You want how much money to keep doing this? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's interesting that it shows they've got some kind of long term. And I don't think anybody really plans this to go the full Smallville 11 seasons to let them get to crisis. No. But <laughs> But it does, it, it's a nice bone for the people who are going to say, oh, Jesus, you're setting up Freak of the Week. It's it's a nice shot to say, no, we got some mythology for you. Give us a little time. And uh, it's not just mythology, it's mythology that the real comic fans are going to be into. Right. And that's the thing I took most from this. Of of any of these shows, you know, and I say any of, any of the CW versions of the shows, uh, this one really is grounded heavily in the comic book the origin is recognizable uh, barry's character traits seem reasonably true um the major elements from at least the new 52 comic and now they're talking about crisis so you know there should be a, a little bit of a nod to any long-term flash fan jesse martin as joe west uh detective joe west was was actually really enjoyable well he was always you always liked him on law and order yeah, but I found I found the way they decided to play the character really uh, real, kind of. You know, has that has a moment where where Barry is trying to explain, no, no, I saw this thing again, just like when I was a kid. And he's, he just finally like loses, it, like, look, I've been trying to protect you from this like your entire life, but I have to be straight with you. You hallucinated stuff as a kid. You yeah. <laughs> that stuff wasn't there. You need to get over it. <laughs> yeah, and, and but there is a moment with him that very much calls back to Captain Stacy and Peter Parker in, yeah, yeah. in the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. So, look, it's it's a CW show. Unlike other CW comic book shows, it's it's got its feet definitely in the source material. At least to start with, it's not trying to do anything crazy with it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a show with a lot of pretty people, some of whom... Clearly chosen more for how they look than their real acting chops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doing some pulpy genre stuff. Now, and it looks like they've got some good long-term plans in mind. Like I said, won't make it any smarter. No, no, but, will not. You know, it, if you treat it like, oh, this is an enjoyable thing to do on a whatever night, you know, that is at least related to my hobby, you could probably do worse. There's, yeah, there's... It, there are worse ways to spend 42 minutes. <laughs> that is true. In in Batman's <laughs> Batman's death cave. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're about an hour 20 in. Want to talk about a couple comics? Let's talk about a couple comics. All right. So one of the big ones this week, uh, Superman 32. Yep. Uh, taking over. Uh, Jeff Johns is writing it. John Romita Jr., Making the leap from Marvel to DC yep. on certainly one of the big characters. Um, yeah, I mean, in this one, uh, 
I'm not sure how much of the plot I want to go into without spoiling too much, but there's a... There, there's some parallel storytelling. The idea is that Clark it feels as though he has no one that he can connect to, and those that he tries to reach out to are busy. Yeah. So wouldn't it be nice if he if he could have a friend that he could relate to? Well, all right. <laughs> I, I guess we'll have to spoil it. The the spoilers. The the whole thing opens with supposedly somewhere on Earth. The two parents in the middle of a catastrophe <laughs> are preparing to send their son away to another dimension to another dimension to uh, uh, where he will have superpowers and escape the catastrophe that's coming. And you know, so, yeah, that's the friend we see at the end, uh, another Superman analog named Ulysses, which, OK, fine, except we just saw the same goddamn thing in. Superman Unchained by mm-hmm. Snyder and Lee. It's been going on for six months. It's it's almost the same thing. And it's the whole idea of a Superman analog to to examine the concept of Superman has been around forever. Just off the top of my head, uh, what I put down: uh, Plutonian and Irredeemable. Yep. Doctor Manhattan. Hyperion and Squadron Supreme. This is well-trod ground. And Jeff Johns writes a good superhero comic. I'm sure he's got something interesting in mind with it, but right now it just really feels like, okay, I've seen this a lot recently. Well, I, I, I think my takeaway from it was the the kid comes back from this dimension thinking he's the last of his kind and he discovers he is not. Whereas Superman still very much is the last of his kind. Yeah, I mean, the gag with this is uh, he's escaping Earth from some dimension to the fourth dimension, which in theory is us. Yeah. But, so, clearly there's going to be more stuff going on. There were a couple panels. I didn't recognize whoever the robed Obi-Wan Kenobi with the trident saying, you know, I trained you, Superman. I didn't know who that was. So, clearly there's something else going on in the background. Uh, the little moments with uh, with Clark and Perry, I thought were I like were pretty effective. Um, I like the the Jimmy Olsen storyline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure in the long run how interested I'm going to be in Jimmy Olsen Jimmy Olsen's financial woes. Jimmy Olsen, boy millionaire. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all right, <laughs> it'd be something you know, something different. But yeah, you know, I've not been really following the main Superman title since the New Fifty Two. Right. No, I've been following action on and off, but. So I I don't know where this Jimmy Olsen millions of dollars things comes from. It was nice to see Clark at the Daily Planet. Yeah. I can understand why, though it makes more sense to have him be a blogger in the 21st century. Well, sure, but I'm old. We established I was old enough to see the first Superman movie yeah. in the theater. Perry felt real. Yeah. like Perry Perry felt like, even though yeah, the newspaper is, is a dying media and... Clark hasn't really been at the planet. The chemistry is still there between the two of them. Yeah. So. yeah and I did like the flat out. It's like, look, you need somebody to talk to. And I'm not saying it's me because it isn't. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it's uh, I like not having Wonder Woman around for a while. Although I like yeah. what's been going on in Superman Wonder Woman. Um, 
that, that whole thing feels contrived. It feels like this might be a way of John's trying to sort of steer things to, all right, it's got to be Superman and Lois Lane. So what, are we going to have a Superman-Ulysses bromance? Like what? Yes, <laughs> with butt-fucking. <laughs> I don't know. Like Superman and Ulysses eating pudding. Like, <laughs> uh, that's it. We're <laughs> we're canceled. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. It's, uh, look, there's only a few reasons you have a Superman analog, you know, right. to show in you know, power corrupts. Yeah, one will be a foil for the other, and if Superman has learned essential humanity. By living amongst the humans, what has this kid learned? Yeah, it's uh, you deconstruct Superman this way to either deconstruct him and say it doesn't make sense, you know, like a Dr. Manhattan, or to examine Superman with an analog that is other. Oh, if it weren't for Ma and Pa Kent, if it weren't for the Daily Planet and responsibility, and right. you know, which is fine, but again, it's it's stuff I've seen over and over again and have seen recently from DC editorial. Yeah, they seem to be doing that a lot lately. Well, I suppose you hook on to what works, but I'm not sure how much it works. We'll find out. I've been getting Superman Unchained, but it ain't been at the top of my pile. So, uh, art-wise, I've made it pretty clear I'm not the biggest John Romita Jr. fan. It was serviceable, but I find I find his work to be a little flat. It, it's a little blocky. Everybody has the same facial expression. Yeah. Um, the goddamn baby in the <laughs> rocket looked like he was about ready to start working for the Daily Planet. <laughs> um, Sorry, buy that baby a drink. <laughs> but I will tell you what, that double-page splash of Ramita's first pages on Superman, of Superman punching out Titania, <laughs> the fucking gorilla. Yes. It's like, okay, that, as much as I'm not his biggest fan... If he needs to hit it hard, he hits it hard. Yes. He, but, he does establish out of the gate very strong visuals. Yeah. He definitely has a definitive style. The problem is at this point, half the time when, you know, Jimmy Olsen, oh, redheaded kid, when's he putting on the green pervert suit to get his <laughs> ass kicked? <laughs> but uh, overall, enjoyable. But, uh, yeah, it's I'm getting a bad vibe off the, okay, we're going to do the Superman analog again. Yeah. I'll see what Johns does with it. He generally does books that I kind of enjoy. Not even kind of. Some I really like. Mm-hmm. But uh, then he'll decide, uh, oh, let's let's make vibe a going concern. There, <laughs> there are neurons firing in his head that I don't always follow. But So, yeah, other one we want to talk about. Uh, New Avengers. Yeah, and this I wanted to talk about this one specifically because, you know, if we're talking about you know, oh, crisis. The, yeah, the <laughs> crisis in the Flash pilot, and oh, the new beginnings of Batman. The new Avengers for its entire run under uh, Jonathan Hickman, uh, who wrote this one, uh, Valerio uh, Skitty. I hope that's how he pronounces his name, because otherwise it's shitty, and that's really unfortunate. But I'm sure, he's never heard that joke before. Yeah, well, <laughs> considering our numbers, he's not going to hear it from here. But. Um, the whole thing has been there have been alternate universes in in curs in cursing <laughs> that's a word now in cursing on uh, the six one six universe 
And if they completely overrun each other, one universe will be completely destroyed. Yes. So it's been, how do we put this off? How do we put this off? And finally it reached the point of, okay, well, if everything fails, we have this universe-killing bomb. And in this particular universe they come across, they move to the other universe, and it's filled with Justice League analogs. No, wait, wait, wait. Back this up for a second, Rob. Are you telling me that Jonathan Hickman is writing a story in which Reed Richards is doing something where he can be a world-killing dick? Yeah, I know. It seems to be his favorite <laughs> Marvel story. <laughs> but he doesn't do it in this one. Because, anyway, <laughs> we'll go back to that. So, yes, this is... Uh, and. There have been conversations between the new Avengers, who are really the Illuminati. Yes. You, know, you got your Namor and... Uh, uh, Hulk, hey, Stark, Reed yeah. Richards, Doctor Strange. All the brainy ones. Um, Beast. Yes, talking, trying to find a solution, knowing full well they'll blow up the DC-ish universe if they have to. This is finally the money shot where there are actual fights. Um I liked it better than I like a lot of Hickman's stuff. Hickman I run really hot and cold on because I think there are a lot of books where he writes with his head instead of his heart. He comes up with really neat plots and intricate storylines. Yeah, he's a, he's a big idea kind of guy. Yeah, and I think those big ideas often are to the detriment of the characters. He yes. will make the characters do what they have to to show off the nifty idea he has, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense for the character. So I find a lot of his writing really pretty... Uh, I've, Said it over and bloodless. over again on the website. Bloodless. Yeah. Um, it's not about the people. It's about the events. Um, so in this case, having that event pull back and just be a fight, uh, it was actually kind of fun. There weren't huge character moments. This was the one where he gets to show off the Justice League versus the Avengers. So you get stuff like Sun God, the Superman analog, fighting yeah. the Hulk and see how that would turn out. And I have to, I, maybe there are slightly different physics on this side of, of the parallel universe. I didn't agree with how that turned out. I felt that if Hulk, if Hulk is the sort of character who gets stronger the more he gets hit and the matter he gets, he should have been able to take out this Superman type character. It's like, it, it, it's basically like saying Doomsday versus Superman. Yeah. If it was Superman versus the Hulk, I would agree with you. Uh, this was the Hulk versus some Superman analog meant to show some kind of a greater point by Jonathan Hickman, who we don't know who all his powers are. Yeah. If he's I... the sun god and can perhaps manipulate radiation, maybe he can bleed off some of the gamma. We don't know. Right. You know, if it was straight Hulk Superman, yeah, if we want to get that fanboyish about shit, then <laughs> yes, under certain circumstances, the Hulk should always be stronger than... Yes. Um, I think it was just an excuse on one level to, yeah, have the Justice League fight. You know, I, I really liked uh, the speedster character, yeah. whose name I can't remember. Boundless. Boundless. Um, fighting Iron Man to just... On one hand, I like that it's like, you know, you're, yes, you're the smart guy, but you can't think at the speed of light. Right. So you can't anticipate what I'm going to do as she just strips the armor Yeah, she, she pants him. <laughs> you know, but at the same time as she's mocking him as the smart guy, it, it, that felt very Hickmanish to me because it's like, you guys have been talking for two issues worth of time. And we're not talking big palavers where, you know, oh, let's, let's all have drinks together and get to know each other and take warm, soapy showers and swap spit. <laughs> 
you know, it felt like, hi, I'm the writer, and I've had this idea for why Flash could beat Iron Man, and now I will explain it to you. Right. So it was neat to look at, but it also was, I, I saw the man behind the curtain on that one. Yeah. But it's nice to see the actual combat, um, Dr. Fate versus Dr. Strange. Kind of neat and interesting to see how far Dr. Strange is willing to go to well, save his world. Yeah, and also this was a slightly different, it, it wasn't a straight out Dr. Fate. It was an analog, and this one was different insofar as uh, Strange revealed him to be basically a Bruce Banner-like nebbish collector of items as opposed to yeah someone who really is in touch with chaos magic. and Yeah, but from the beginning, Fate was always in the helmet. There, there was a, a carrier. You know, Kent Nelson was the dude who put the helmet on. Right. It, it was in certain interpretations. Nelson has more of a hand in it than others. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with that, and it, it made a certain amount of sense. It made a lot of sense yeah. given certain characterizations of Doctor Fate. I was more interested in this is what Stephen Strange, who has arrogance in his past and has been willing to play fast and loose with certain things. What's he really willing to do? It was actually kind of a, a Doctor Who moment. <laughs> yeah, if Doctor Who were fully prepared to murder everyone in the way. And and not to go off track, I think we've seen that in some previous seasons. Yeah, all right, I'll go with the time war on that one, yeah. I guess. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's with this issue in particular and i particularly wanted to hit on it because there have been rumors going around for a few weeks on various comics websites of oh marvel's planning to do a new 52 style reboot <sighs> and people are on frantically on both sides either saying great do it it's about time and others just vehemently marvel would never do it and i don't know if they're going to do it or not but if you want to know why people are having this argument <laughs> when you have what amounts to the half of the Avengers fighting the Justice League as two worlds move into one, yes. proving the annihilation of at least one of the cultures. You know, Jonathan Hickman is doing everything, but you know, screaming into a megaphone and waving his privates at passersby, <laughs> screaming "crisis, motherfucker!" <laughs> so, uh, this is part of the reason, and this thing could easily turn into some kind of crisis. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case, but yeah. I think this is where this is coming from. And and over at Comic Book Resources, Axel Alonso is on record as saying there's a plan for Doctor Strange. Well, there's got to be a plan for Doctor Strange. they got a movie in development. Yeah. Um, although it, Whether it's the same Doctor Strange that we have right now, or if it will be some 1986 post-crisis version. Well, according to this, whatever goes on in Original Sin is going to play a large part of that. But, you know, my reaction to this is my reaction to this book is the same as it is with a lot of other things going on at Marvel. It's like, all right, so the Illuminati are out here <laughs> trying to keep two worlds from uh, two universes from destroying each other. Meanwhile, <laughs> the same characters are all over in Original Sin doing, you know, trying to find out who. Killed the Watcher. Yeah. There's an easy... CSI Marvel U. Look, there's an easy explanation. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's... 
it's always been like a, that in these big events. You know, at best, you sort of get a, oh, this takes place before the events of the right. in, in an editorial box. And it's I'm okay with that. I, I am. For every book to be utterly beholden to continuity, hamstrings storytelling. I don't think they need to be utterly beholden to continuity, but you've got what amount essentially to two giant events happening concurrently. <laughs> well... And that, I think, is even though everything about New Avengers for the last, basically for its entire run, has pointed to, ah, crisis? Huh? <laughs> no, universe is collapsing on themselves. Uh? <laughs> it is it is not being pitched as an event. Nobody is saying, oh, this is going to change everything. It might be a stealth thing. be kind of neat for a change. Just, uh, it's just sort of happening here, and then boom. Oh, everything suddenly changed. Yeah. But... You and I have been reading comic books for a long, long time. Do you really think Marvel would let themselves be rebooted in one of the second-string Avenger titles somewhere above, below Avengers, but maybe above uh, Avengers Worlds? I had difficulty believing that they would get the orb in as their big bad. (laughs) That really was kind of awesome. (laughs) Fucking... C-list Ghost Riders, <laughs> 1970s villain. Just saying. I mean, <laughs> so. But yeah, it's a. Uh, this is one of the better issues of this recently, just because of. Although I did have an issue with the art. I think Skitty's art was generally fine. One thing I noticed was almost none of the panels had backgrounds. Just sort of action lines, so it was just two figures fighting. But it was supposed to be a fairly desolate planet that they were fighting on at that point, so I don't think it bothered me that much. Uh, Which is fine, but, uh, you know, the the obvious leap out to me was we've got the double-page spread by Ramita of... And I'm not a big Ramita fan, but it is a magnificent shot of Superman knocking out this robot gorilla. Yeah to uh, the panel of sun god sort of knocking down hulk and it's 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 only okay it's serviceable but nothing's going on in the background and yeah the storytelling was fine i was able to tell you know particularly as black panther fought uh the batman analog of you know as weapons were going back and forth and how they were countering them so all right i get what's going on but yeah but yeah it just felt very much i don't like i said i don't know if it was uh, an artist's choice of oh it's a desolate planet so i can focus on the figures which are all generally fine but yeah when when it's a long stretch of you know just parallel action lines or something in the background it's uh, well, i think it was that coupled with even though it's it was a fighting event it was a very talking head fighting event yeah well it was a hickman fighting event so you're <laughs> going to get a certain amount of that Everybody accuses Bendis of being wordy, at least when the punches start flying. It's nothing but dick jokes from Spider-Man. <laughs> and on that note, uh, yeah, all right, this one ran long again. but eh. So, yeah, I guess uh, let's stick this pig and put it to bed. Uh, thank you for listening. This is the uh, Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. You can find us at our website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, I always forget. What is our Twitter handle? We are on Twitter at at Infinite Midlife. Yeah, you can uh, email us at uh, Crisis on Infinite Midlives at gmail.com. Yep. And yeah, if you come across us on uh, iTunes, 
do us a favor and uh, throw in a review. Just uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like about the show. We're we're making this shit up as we go. So and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So feedback is appreciated. Possibly ignored. Very likely cursed at, but appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, this has been episode twenty-one. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And uh, thanks for listening. And derp. yeah, I got nothing. <laughs>